Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Heading into the top of the hour, I, I posed a couple of questions uh, from your book. And by the way, too, you can link up to uh, uh, Richard Thompson Ford at uh, coasttocoastam.com. And we were talking, one thing I mentioned was the idea of ties. Is there any correlation between why men's ties go down to a skinny inch or a bola and then go out to like four or bolo, I guess it is? go out to like four-inch wide ties and then back again. What is the correlation between the width of ties and, and history or mo- social movements? Oh, that's interesting. And I've only got a partial answer. I mean, I know that the necktie evolved from um, like the, the cravat, which was something right. that men would wear um, you know, and, and, and spent a lot of time Tying in, you know, elaborately. Bo Brummel, for instance, was known for, you know, obsessing over the tying of the cravat. And I've got actually got a book in my office about the appropriate way to tie one. But, um, but you know, then the changes in the necktie and how it evolved into this, this, you know, kind of highly stylized um, version of the cravat. Um, I've only got limited information about that, but you do definitely, you know, you see this, tr- this this narrowing and widening of the tie with trends of fashion seems to go along with the narrowing and widening of the silhouette of the suit and um, and, and the lapel. Okay, so well, that's, that's oh, fair enough. Here. So is there a bigger issue about lapel widths? Because that's kind of the same thing. Like, why do suddenly lapels go wide and then start going narrow again? I mean, is it just, oh, well, wide, and then everybody's like, oh, well, only geeks wear it wide, and then they go <laughs> narrow, and then you're wearing it for a while, and they go, oh, only morons wear narrow, and then you go wide again. You do have the sense that people get tired of one thing and then um, and, and the eye gets tired of it and you shift to something different. But a few other things. The lapel and you know, initially had a function. It was a functional part of the, the suit coat that could be buttoned up um, against the weather. And so, you know, particularly a certain amount of which was necessary for it to serve its function on um, thing, you know, hunting jackets, for instance. And these these were the kind of functional garments that the suit evolved from. Um, but then you get this modernizing, kind of streamlining um, move, and as the suit gets the suit gets more and more kind of stylized and further from its origins as a you know a, a functional garment, these um, the, the, these elements like this the the flaps on pockets and the lapels um, you, you start to correspond instead to um, you know, streamlining, and there's a, certainly a whole move towards streamlining through, throughout the 20th century. Some people actually speculate that the advent of um, moving pictures changed fashion and led to more streamlining in general because the, hmm. the camera tends to exaggerate it and, you know, add to 20 pounds is the old thing. Um, so that's, that's some of the story, but some of it's hmm. certainly just these kind of fluctuations that are a bit uh, more, more random. Okay, love that. Uh, what's the difference between a cravat and an ascot? Oh God, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I know um, they, they're pretty, pretty similar. Um, but I, it, you know, I, I, the ascot's named after a you know a, 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 a region or a, a place in England. Um, yeah. Beyond that, the, I, I'm afraid I don't have a good answer. Well, and the cravat is named after um, Croats, Croatia. Right, you know, right, yeah. Because of the Croatian military, that's what they wore. That was their, that was their look. I thought that's pretty cool. It's like the greatest 
tribute to Croats. We don't often hear about Croats very often in fashion. Right. But that, that's <laughs> one of those. All right. So, but then why bell bottoms? Like, how did the bell bottoms thing start? And like, it, does that seem so absurd that it's like, oh, we're going to go super wide with the bottom of our pants that look like that, like each leg is wearing its own skirt. Right. Right. And so you have this move to denim and, um, you know, kind of workwear, but also the hippies. And, um, and, and it, it just seems part of that move toward, uh, um, oh, the eth- ethnic styles as well are happening at the same time. So you're getting beads and things like that. And the bell bottoms, um, you, you just seem aesthetically part of that trend. Uh, I, I'm not certain whether they have any relationship to the wide, um, wide-legged sailor's pants, although they might. Right. Well, that's an interesting question because that is coming back into fashion now. Suddenly, bell-bottoms are back. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and the, not just the bell-bottoms, but we went from that skinny era of jeans, the skinny jeans thing, right. for a long time. And now that's gone. My wife was telling me the other day that women's jeans look a lot more like they did in the 1970s. They're high-waisted, yeah. maybe maybe turned to 1980. They're looking like Jordache jeans, kind of flared out at the bottom, <laughs> and but definitely kind of cut above the hip as opposed to low-rider or hip-huggers like that. Ah, right, yes. Um, now, what about hats? Uh, George asked this question uh, at uh, Deacon Punnett, my, uh, my place on Twitter, um, and he said, what, what, what was the deal with suddenly men no longer wearing hats? Because, uh, I mean, and when did they start wearing hats, I guess we should say, to even begin with? Well, start wearing hats had, have a very long history. So you could, uh, well, you know, back even to the Renaissance, um, men regularly wore hats. And the hats changed in dramatic ways. So, you know, I could go into a whole conversation about the way hats changed and the changing shapes. I do write in one point in the book about um, a, the straw hat riot of 1922, where people who wore a straw hat after September 15th were surrounded by mobs and, hats and had their hats impaled on pikes. So this was in New York City, but apparently the, the straw hat riot raged for um, two or three days, and, um, and the entire island took over the entire island of Manhattan. Um, because the they were wearing hats after se- September 15th. Right, right, exactly. So <laughs> How this, arbitrary it, is that? So it's a lot, you know, it's like a version of the don't wear white after Labor Day, but taken much more seriously. So hats well, are taken really seriously. Yeah, and I guess, so what did they, what was the intent of that rebellion? Was it to prevent people from styling themselves as though they were wealthy or it was because they should know that they were they were rubes and that was discovered that they were foreigners or something only foreigners wore hats after september 15th i'm trying to get an idea of what what was it all about right and and uh, i my sense is it was um a enforced fashion rule by people against, um, you know, probably against uh, people who seem to be putting on airs, but, right. you know, doing so in a way that actually violated the social custom 
And, of course, you know, the kind of people who would grab, knock a hat off your head and impale it on a pike, these weren't the, you know, elites. This wasn't the social aristocracy enforcing a rule. These were people who were having a, you know, a laugh at the expense of people who seemed to be putting on airs. Well, that's interesting. You know, the... um you you're too young to know this okay um but for some people out there they'll recognize the song i'm talking about there's a, a, a hit from 19 and if billy gibbons is still listening he definitely knows a hit from 1958 but it was a popular song about every 10 years or so done by different people and it is an original african-american folklore hit and i say hit meaning it was very popular right around the 1890s and it was there's a, the song was called stagger lee and mm-hmm. there it was it was sung you know go stagger lee and it's about a barroom fight between two people over a hat <laughs> and what i learned I, w- I actually wrote about this because when i was writing my dissertation i was i wrote about true crime and somebody asked me to look into how often a crime, a real crime had been explored in song as opposed to just like based on a true story or, you know, inspired by. And the earliest lyrics of of St- what becomes known as Stagger Lee, when the song was originally known as Stack O Lee, um, and it was about a guy who another guy in a bar knocks his Stetson off his head. Hmm. And that's, and that it was considered emasculating, mm, mm-hmm. and that and that's why he essentially killed the guy just for knocking his hat. It was too much of a challenge to his manhood, and there was people that felt very strongly like he murdered who and why. What happened? Oh, he knocked his hat off. Oh, well, then he deserved it. And there was a <laughs> feeling like that's what you did to somebody who knocked your hat off your head. Wow, oh. that's great. Yeah. Um, and so it was all tied into, you know, really into like phallic culture, which is another aspect of your book is, too. And I want to get back to that. But before I forget, Edwardian fashion, Prince, the Paul Revere and the Raiders, um, the whole the look of Jimi Hendrix at one point in the 1960s tied into that ruffled front shirt um, and the tighter jacket what was Edwardian fashion? Was there a, was there some reflection in the shift of geopolitics over that, and what and that it made a comeback? I wouldn't expect you to know, but what was that all about, or as much as you know? Well, uh, so in, in that period of time, you, you, you there there was a moment or a, a period uh, called the Peacock Revolution, where men started wearing this kind of flamboyant clothing. And in a way, I would see it as a throwback almost to the era before um, what I described as the great masculine renunciation. It's men wanting to dress in, you know, the, the, the kind of very expressive and flamboyant way that had been for, you know, centuries reserved exclusively to women. Um, but you know, there are also some ways in which it picks up on the evolution of the suit from and kind of what, what you might describe as ironic or um, playful uses of the suit. So the business suit becomes the symbol of kind of sober bourgeois masculinity. But you get these moments when um, people wear the suit in some other fashion, like the zoot suit, for instance. 
Um, and the zoot suit is this big, flamboyant, baggy um, suit you associate with someone like Cab Calloway, for instance. But, you know, there were riots over the zoot suit in, um, throughout the United States, a really famous one in Los Angeles. Yeah, the um, Pachuco and, thing. Right, exactly, the Pachuco style. And so, you know, then, in a sense, this Edwardian style that you're describing is, um, you know, following in the footsteps of that, there are also um, youth movements in England where people are using you know this kind of really um, Edwardian look with um, you know even with bowler hats and canes. But they're young people and and not wealthy, um, and it becomes a youth trend. And so you know I, I think all of these things are swirling around and kind of influencing each other, um, and and that's playing into. The the um, the Paul Revere and the Raiders Jimi Hendrix kind of book that you're you're asking about oh the, as a youth movement kind of establishing that's interesting yeah the the low rider car yeah um, is was considered the car version of the uh, the zoot suit the Pachuco oh right that was it was extravagant for no particular reason it was and the reason why low right why the latino latinx or mexican-american community in los angeles went down for low riders is because white kids went up <laughs> and they jacked their cars up and so they're going up we're going to go down and the reason why they had the hydraulic system was because you had to have the hydraulic system to uh, pass inspection in California wow. for clearance. So they would raise it up just to pass inspection and then they would drop it down as soon as they passed inspection. <laughs> oh, that's great. Makes um, me want to write a book about cars now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, all right. So 1973 is the year Live and Let Die comes out. Uh, mm -hmm. um, James Bond movie, great movie. It's the first year that James Bond is not portrayed wearing a hat in the uh -huh. opening credits in that famous uh, gun barrel sequence, right, where he's looking down a gun barrel and it goes at the beginning of what like the modern era of the loss of hats. Do, for you know everybody wore hats it just it was like every every guy wore a hat and then it's like the business man's hat went out the window in the 70s and i've often wondered whether that had anything to do with the fact that by the late 60s or early 70s everybody was showering more often and so you didn't have to wear a hat to cover up for your <laughs> hair so interesting. Uh, and I have to say, I'm a big James Bond fan, and I never noticed. Ah, uh, really? The hat? In that opening sequence that he lost the hat in, in Live and Let Die. That's a yeah. Great, um, that's a great piece of information. But um, so the, the, with the hat, um, what's often said, and I think, there's, I think it's right, is that um, people stopped. John F. Kennedy killed the hat. Um, oh, okay. He stopped wearing hats. Uh, and you know this was you know, he was you know very image conscious president and um, and part of his youthful and kind of athletic image was to be you know seen without a hat and more casual more unassuming more uh -huh. relatable look um, but he stopped wearing the hat and that um, you know gave kind of permission to all other American men 
not to wear hats as well. I do know that there were, um, you know, the, the hat making industry begged Kennedy to start wearing a hat again. Um, and, but he didn't. And so the, the typical story is that that was the beginning of the end of the, um, you know, the hat. I've never heard a conspiracy theory offered that uh, that uh, JFK was killed by angry uh, haberdashers. <laughs> I don't, no, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I wonder. I, I would surprise that it hasn't come up yet. It was the revenge of hat blockers that decided that Kennedy had to go so we could get back to somebody wearing a hat because their industry was threatened. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.